0: woman at the well this is the account that we've been reading through the whole time and so as we take woman at the well for 100 as that's the way the the game goes the answer is this John 4 1 through 6 and it says now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was made was baptizing more disciples than John although Jesus himself did not baptize only his disciples he left Judea and departed again for Galilee and he had to pass through Samaria and so he came to a town of in Samaria called Sychar and near the field of Jacob, That had given to his son Joseph Joseph's well was there So Jesus was wearied from his journey and was sitting beside the well and it was about the sixth hour And so the answer to this question is why did I read you that statement? Because I want you to get to know the background of the story of the woman at the well We must begin to understand the background of this before we'll understand the fullness of what she was doing And so as we talk about woman at the well for 200 I want to show you a map of what Jesus was talking about the map of what Jesus was talking about He was in Jerusalem or Judea. He was making his way up to um, Samaria. That's not very visible. We'll have to get a better picture for second service. (laughs) So you see Jerusalem at the very bottom. It's the long word that's kind of scribbly. Samaria, um, Samaria is the very middle section, and the very top part is Galilee up there. But do you see the big loop that goes way to the left? Your left as you're looking at the screen as goes way to the left That was the route that they would take so they're at the very southern part where the circle is They could have made a straight trip up to Galilee um, Where Jesus would headed but because they wanted to avoid Samaria or Sychar that particular city They would go all the way around the long way around to get to where they were having to go And so as Jesus begins to show as Jesus begins to do this his disciples and they were planning on going the long way around How many y'all have ever been the long way around? around on something. How many of you know there's a better way? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus is saying here, hey, we've got to, we have to, we've got to go through Samaria, and the disciples are planning on going the long way around. I know I've got that story way too many times in my life that I end up going the long way around when God says, no, if you would just go the way I've directed you to go, even though it's the not popular way to go, it's not the custom way to go, it's not your normal way to go, it seems a little bit more dangerous than the way you usually take... I got a plan and a purpose for you, and this destiny is going to take place as you go the way Jesus wants you to go. And so in this, as you look at this map up here, the journey that they would normally take the long way around would increase the travel time by about two to two and a half days. That is so important that you remember that number. That they would go, it was a 70-mile journey from basically Jerusalem to Galilee where they were headed. And on that 70-mile journey, it would take about two to two and a half days to make it. If they were booking it, it would take two days. Strolling it would take about two and a half days But because they would go the long way around it would take them twice as long to get from the south part Where they were at to the north part in Galilee where they needed to be and I don't know about you But I'm tired in my life of taking the long way around on some things. Amen I'm tired of taking the long way around because God's got a plan and a purpose for us when we go his way And so doing this to, to illustrate the point how many of you have ever driven to Dallas? How many of you have ever driven to Dallas by via way of Waco, Texas? See, what they were doing is this would be like us leaving Sulphur Springs to go to Dallas, but because we don't like Greenville, we go through Waco. <laughs> if you want to put it in real, real talk, that's what we would be doing. That's what they would be doing. And so in this, have you ever gone to Dallas via the route of Waco? No, not unless you purposely wanted to go to Waco. And we know the only reason all you go to Waco is because of the Magnolia thing that's out there, whoever those people are. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And that's the only reason you go to Waco. But you would never go to Dallas via the route of Waco because it's ludicrous. It makes no sense. But I bring this up as an important issue because this is telling you how dreaded of a place Samaria was, especially this city Sychar where they were going to and Jesus said, we had to go. We have to go this way. We have to go to get there. So who are the Samaritans? So we'll take woman at the well for 300. Who are the Samaritans? The Samaritans are this. Ever since the days of Nehemiah, about 450 years earlier, the race of Samaritans had been brought in by the Assyrian people to populate the, that part of, uh, of Israel after the Jewish population was removed. They were regarded and hated as heretical her, uh, Jews of the Jewish cult. The Samaritans only accepted the first five books of Moses. And they had mingled the law of Moses with pagan and idolatrous practices. They even erected a temple on another mountain to rival that in Jerusalem. Thus, they were regarded to the Jews as reprobates, and they were hated even more than the Gentile people. Now, we know that the Jews and the Gentiles didn't mix, but the Samaritans were hated more than the Gentile people. It's like, we don't like this group of people, but we'll like this group of people because we really, really don't like this group of people. And, And I'm leaving groups of people and having to just leave it at that so I don't offend anybody. I'm not going to illustrate that point, but you all understand the point that I'm trying to get at. And so for over this period of time, for over 450 years, the Jews, and over that 450 year time period, the Jews began to return back to their land, and there was much intermarriage between the Jews and Samaritans, which made the devout Jews even more furious. So listen to what Jesus does. Jesus leaps over all these barriers that separated the people of their time. You think we got race issues in America today? We have nothing on what Jesus was just doing. Jesus leaps over every cultural issue, every religious issue, every racial issue, every, every feminist issue that we're going to see here in a little bit, and he was going to go to a place that he had to go to. When we as the body of Christ will realize there is not one border or one area or one boundary that Jesus hasn't already left over and paid for with the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, we'll start looking at this whole issue in America completely different. Amen we'll start looking at race relations different because Jesus died for the white people just like he died for the Hispanic people, just like he died for the African American people, just like he died for the Asian people, just like he died for the cultures that have already died out, just, for he, just as he died for the new people who are intermarrying and creating new cultures today. Jesus died for everyone in all mankind and, and his blood purified us from all unrighteousness if we will receive that free gift of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so we must begin to understand that if we're dealing with political hot-button issues in America today, Jesus has already dealt with those exact same issues. Yeah. And if he defeated it because of what his, the power that he had in his life through the Father, we can also overcome and conquer and defeat these same issues that we're dealing with in our life. And so we must begin to look at it. And so Jesus begins to undo all these boundaries that are there. And so as we jump into this, we'll talk about the sixth hour just for a second. Because the Bible says it was about the sixth hour when Jesus got to the well. And it says, according to this account, it was the sixth hour. And Jesus stopped by the the well. Now, I want to qualify this as we begin. If you're going by the Jewish clock and the Jewish time frame, this would make it about noon. And so, can you imagine being walking and wearied from your journey and it's about noon in the middle of the Middle East? But the funny thing is there's a little bit of of debate on what time this actually was because most of John's writing is not done by the Jewish time frame or the Jewish clock. It's done by the Roman clock. That would make it about 6 p.m. in the evening. Now, I know just a couple months ago I landed in a a small nation called, called Qatar, And when I landed, it was about 115 degrees in the evening, about 6 p.m. when I landed. Could you imagine have been walking all day in the evening, and it gets to be about 6 p.m., and Jesus finally says, hey, you know, disciples, let's take a break. (laughs) You ever had somebody who pushed you past your limits? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And so in this, Jesus is getting to the the place to get a drink of water, and I believe it is about 6 p.m. in the evening, 115 degrees outside, possibly. I don't know the the actual temperature. I don't think they had Farmer's Almanac to go back and see what the temperature was for Jesus in that time. But it was about 115 degrees, and he stops and begins to break every cultural barrier here at the woman at the well. Now, I want to ask you a question real quick. How is your ministry attitude at 6 p.m.? After you've been working all day, in the hot sun, walking, and you're thirsty, and you're tired, and you're ready for a break, how is your attitude to minister? See, I'm trying to put this in your proper perspective. See, you're not driving to Dallas through Waco because you're thinking, that's crazy, but I also want you to realize the tiredness and the weariness that Jesus was actually experiencing, but the strength of the Father is about to come on the scene. The strength of what his God could do through him when he would yield to him is about to come on the scene and God's going to begin to do great things through Everything that Jesus is about to do so as we jump into John chapter number four Verse number 16 through 38. I want to read you real quick What is the had to which is the point of this whole message that we're getting to? What is the had to that Jesus had to do and it says Jesus said to her go and call your husband The woman answered him, I have no husband and Jesus said to her, you are right in saying you have no husband for you have five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband and she said what you have said is true and the woman said to him sir i perceive that you are a prophet our fathers worshiped on this mountain but you say jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship and jesus said to her woman believe me now that the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in jerusalem will you worship the father you worship what you do not know we worship what we know for salvation is from the jews but the hour is coming and is now here that when worshipers worship the father they will worship him in spirit and in truth for The Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming, He who is called the Christ. And when He comes, He will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. Now, I want to stop right here for a moment because I've I, I said this from the beginning. We're in a series called Jeopardy, and we want you to live your life in such a way as to answer that people ask questions, but after a while of asking questions, their questioning should turn into conversation, amen? Yes. See, if all you get is questions all day long, you're not fulfilling the full purpose of your life. Their questionings must somehow turn into a conversation, and you must begin to have a dialogue about what you know in the gospel of Jesus Christ and who he is. And so when you begin to live as the answer, your questions or their questions must somehow circulate around and become conversation. Because if you notice what she was doing at the beginning, she was saying, where's your jar? How are we going to draw water? Why are you even talking to me? Because I'm a woman. She had question after question after question. But then Jesus made a statement which made her questioning turn into conversation. Yeah. And he listened and had conversation, breaking every religious barrier, every cultural barrier, every race barrier, every barrier that was out there, he overcame it. And then just then, the Bible says in verse 27, the disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking with the woman. But no one said, what do you seek? Why are you, excuse me, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left the water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything that I ever did. And then she asked another question, can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and they went out of the town and were coming to Jesus. Now, on this, the questioning must turn to conversation. But the end result is we want the conversation to turn into a conversion. Listen to this story. Listen to how this woman goes through this. She comes to Jesus, she asks him a bunch of questions. After the question, she has conversation. After the conversation, she was so overwhelmed by who Jesus was and the abilities and the power that God displayed through Jesus Christ, she runs back and tells the whole city about this man named Jesus. Come see the man who told me everything I ever did. And so watch what begins to happen. Their conversation leads to a conversion. Now get this, verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But they said to him, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. So the disciples begin to say to one another, has somebody else brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do not say there are four months. Then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving his wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. So the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you did not labor. Others have labored that you have entered into their labor. And I want to tell you this this morning, that what we're receiving here at TWBC, how we're seeing people born again, how we're seeing souls saved, I love what God is doing, but I happen to believe that we're reaping what other people have labored for, what people have interceded for, and what people have prayed for in this Northeast Texas area to have a great awakening, to have a movement of God. I believe we're the recipients of prayers of the years gone past, but also we're the start of a movement of what God is going to move forward in such a way where people will also be the reapers of our laborers and the seeds that we're sowing in the kingdom of God. And so in this, I want to ask you this question. More than having the people in your life come to you that are unchurched and unbelievers asking you questions, are you living in such a way as to answer that those closest to you are asking questions about your faith? Because you're living it in such a dynamic fashion. That there's so much life change going on in you that not that your unchurched friends or your unbelieving friends ask you about your faith, but that your spouse begins to say, honey, I've seen a difference in you. Honey, I've seen a change in you. Or your kids begin to ask you, daddy, I see something different in you. Mommy, I see something different in you. I see a change in your life. I see something completely different than I've seen in the past. Are the people closest to you asking you questions about your faith because you're living it out in such a way that you're living as the answer so people ask questions? The disciples came back to Jesus asking him these great questions. Did somebody bring him food? What's going on? And Jesus answered him like this, I got food to eat that you know nothing about. And it's to do the will of God. It's to do the will of my Father. So more than unbelievers asking you questions, are believers asking you questions about your faith, about how you're living? Are you living in such a way that it's turning the heads of not just lost people and unchurched people, but it's turning the heads of the people who you see on a regular basis in the house of God? How are we living our life that is the answer? Is your lifestyle, what you're doing, is it elevating the body of Christ? Now, this brings it home to everybody in the house because y'all are, everybody say, amen, I'm first service. (laughs) You're the ones who get up early. You're the ones who come to church early. You're the ones who are here early. You're at the first service. You're ready to get the first overflow of the anointing of God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I love it. But are you living such a way at first service that it's elevating the body of Christ? Are you living such a way right here during the worship sessions that are going on here that it spurs people on to say, you know, I'm going to dig in a little deeper. I'm going to go a little farther. I'm going to press in a little harder. I'm going to do what I haven't done all week long because I'm going to get in the presence of God in a way that I have never gotten into it today. And I'm not going to let it stop here in first service. I'm going to let it overflow into every area of my life. Are you living in such a way that it elevates the body of Christ? And finally let's talk about the had to just for a minute the Bible says Jesus had to go through Samaria and so I want to take right on time for a thousand as we read John 39 through 43 many Samaritans from that town believed in him remember we talked about the question should turn into a conversation that should turn into a conversion many Samaritans in that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony he told me everything that I ever did. So the Samaritans came to him and asked him to stay with him for two more days. And he stayed there two days. Everybody say two days. Two days. And many, people, many more people believed because of his word. Now listen, I, I marvel at this. The Samaritans were the rejects of the rejects. And the Bible says they believed because of the word, not because of miracles. Did did you catch that? The Jewish people wouldn't even believe the miracles, but the rejects of the rejects wouldn't even need a miracle. They just needed a word. Come on now. There's some of y'all who just need to receive the word. You need to quit looking for a miracle. You need to just receive Jesus, take him at his word, that Jesus said it. And because Jesus said it, it's good enough for me because he already saved my soul from eternal hell. And he's already guaranteed me heaven, all the rest of my eternity going forward. So if he can do that by me receiving his word, maybe he can just change my life by me just receiving his word. And his word is what produces the miraculous. His word that is empowered by the spirit of God in your life. And so I love it as I read that, and that's not even a point in my message. I just wanted to throw that out there, by the way. And the woman said, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. And after two days, he departed for Galilee. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet had no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen him and all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they had gone to the feast too. Now, let, now, now I want to stop this real quick. I want to I show you in this moment what just happened. Jesus said, I had to go through Samaria instead of going around here. When Jesus gets up to Galilee, the Galileans were getting back to the feast at the same time. Jesus said, I'm going this way. Well, you waste two and a half days going that way. I'm going to spend two and a half days saving the city this day, and I'm going to get back to here just the same time you do. My question to you is this. How many times do we miss not Jesus but the calling of God on our life because it's more convenient to take the long way around when Jesus said, I'm going to get to my place right on time. I'm going to get there the exact same time you do. It's just i got to go through this way, and my journey is going to take me two days this way. I'm going to stop for two days. I'm going to see a whole city come to know Christ because they believe me at my word, and I'm going to arrive back home the same time you get back home. Now listen, we always stop the chapter right there. The chapter doesn't end right there. The chapter doesn't stop. See, what happens is we read the story of the woman at the well. Jesus gets back. They celebrate Jesus for all the things he did at the feast. And Jesus wasn't worried about what he did at the feast. He was excited about what he did in Samaria that nobody else got to see. Right? And so he gets back to Galilee. All the people from the feast came back from Galilee. But notice what happens right after that. It says an official came and met Jesus when he got back to Galilee. Because the official knew when the feast was. The official knew how long it would take for Jesus to come back home if he took the long way around. Jesus decided to take a shortcut, do two days of ministry, and in two days of ministry, saved a whole city, got back to the town about the same time everybody else did, and the the, the official knew what time they'd be getting back. So the official whose son was about to die meets him there, and can I tell you, Jesus has enough power to do your miracle and your miracle and be right on time for the next person's miracle. There is more than enough Jesus to go around. There's more than enough Jesus to fill this whole place, meet everybody's need, and do it simultaneously. And so in the body of Christ, I could just see, I could just, I can just see this so clearly if this were to happen in our time. Hey, Jesus, we need you to go to Dallas. Jesus said, I'm going to Dallas, but I got to go through Greenville. But, but, but Jesus, we never go through Greenville. But Jesus says, I got to go through Greenville. But Jesus, we always go through Waco. Well, Jesus says, you can go through Waco. I'll meet you at the other side. Those who followed him got an experience with him that everybody else had the opportunity to have, but they wanted to take the long way around. Everybody else had the same opportunity to follow Jesus, and they had to go through Samaria, But they decided to take what was convenient and meet up in Galilee and celebrate for what he did at the feast, not knowing all that he did in the moment. Two and a half days, two days Jesus stayed there with them, two and a half days they wandered in the wilderness to go around. My question for you is this. How many times are we missing what God has for us because we're doing what's convenient for us, what we've always done, things we've always said, we're doing it just the way we've always done it, when Jesus said, hey, this time i got to do it a different way. That's good. This time i got to do it a little bit different way. So I'm going to ask you the question again, what was the had to? Was the had to the woman at the well? Was the had to the city of Sychar? Was the had to Samaria? Was the had to the disciples' encounter with Jesus in a way that they never experienced it before? Was the had to that I'm going to meet up with the people in Galilee and I'm going to tell them about what they missed? Or was the had to the official son? You tell me what the had to was. The had to was every bit of it. And when you think that it's too much on your plate and it's too much and I can't handle it and God there's just too much and there's too much and there's too much, God says, I got food to eat that you know nothing about. If you'll step on through into the had to, I'm going to accomplish it here, I'm going to accomplish it there and I'm going to accomplish it when you get back home and when you get home there's going to be another person that we're going to accomplish it for. The thing I love the most is I'm glad I was somebody's had to. I'm glad I was somebody's had to. On June 22nd, 1988, I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior at a church camp in Lake Texoma. That day, I was somebody's had to. But I wasn't his only had to. See, because there's more than enough God to go around for all of us. I wasn't his only had to. There was about 30 other kids that went to camp with us that year. He had to have other obligations, but at that moment, I was his had to. My question for you is... Who is your had to this week? I told you to measure smiles last week and I saw a bunch of people posting Facebook. I didn't see much response of how many you got, (laughs) right? But this week, what's your had to? What's your had to? I had to have a had to this week. I was driving, and left the house. And you know me, when I'm leaving, I'm on a mission. I'm going somewhere, I had to. (laughs) And, you know, I had, to, I had to be at this place at 1 o'clock. And it had a certain amount of time to get there. And so I left a little bit early for some reason, just because I like to be early. Amen. Thank you, I like to be early. So I had to go. As I had to go, I pull out on 154, and I drive about a quarter of a mile down the road, and I see this car pulled over in the center turning lane with the flashers on. And as I'm driving by, I kind of look over, and I see two car seats in the back. And I immediately knew I had to stop. So I drove on. (laughs) And I got to about, uh, probably about half a mile down the road, and I'm looking in my rearview mirror, and I see a lady get out and look at her tire with her cell phone. And the had to got me. So I turned around, and it's like 98 degrees. I mean, this is middle of of noontime, right? It's going on 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And I pull up behind her, and her license plate said Louisiana kind of like Samaria. I'm just saying. saying. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Hey, Jason, can you edit that out of the audio version of the church? Just kidding. I love it. I love it. Hey, we're impacting a four-state area, and I pulled up, and I saw the license plate Louisiana. I was like, four-state impact, four-state impact. Here we go. And I said, get up. This this lady gets out of her car, and I said, can I help you? She's like, well, I got a flat. I'm going to call a tow truck, and I'm like, Hey, don't worry about it. I'll change your tire real real quick. Remember, I had an appointment I had to be at. I'll change your tire real quick. And she's like, are you sure? I was like, yeah, it won't take long. Until she opens that trunk. (laughs) And you notice I said when I drove by, she had two car seats. And there was an infant and about a two-year-old in the car seat. And at that moment, I said, thank you, God, for letting me stop. Because if that was my wife six years ago, I pray that somebody would have yielded to the had to. As I pulled over and stopped, I immediately, when when it's summer, I sweat, okay? And if you see me work out, I sweat, and it's nasty, okay? And so she opens her trunk, and so she starts pulling, like, cases of diapers out because they were on a trip, and she starts unloading everything, and finally I just go to my Jeep and get the tire jack because it's quicker. Well, she's unloading her truck, and I jack her car up. I change her tire, and God said, that's not enough. And in the middle of changing her tire, she said, so what do you do? Are you a mechanic or something? <laughs> <All> right, yeah. <laughs> how humorous is that, me a mechanic? Yeah, right. <laughs> this is the only thing I know how to do on a car woman is change a tire. I don't know how to do anything else. <laughs> yeah. That, no, that's not prophetic. That's pathetic. uh uh-uh, leave that alone. Thank you, Jesus. I'm a minister of the gospel and <laughs> preach. And I get to do a change in tires occasionally so I was changing her tire and she said so what do you do and I said well I pastor a church and she gets like stoic quiet like and I'm like don't worry we're not weird I'm just changing your tire I do want you to know I'm doing this because God told me to pull over and he told me to come and just do what I would love for somebody to do for me and change a tire and I'm going to tell you where the closest tire shop is, and I'm going to follow you all the way to that tire shop to make sure that your spare that was halfway deflated gets you there on time. Women, make sure flat, def- your tires are inflated with your spares, please. And, and so as, as we were going, she said, you don't have to follow me. And I said, actually, I do. Because it's... And, and the whole time, this, the story of the Good Samaritan is going through my head. He didn't just... Get the man on a donkey. He brought him to the place. Yeah. He made sure he was taken care of. I followed her into the, the, the shop. Remember, I still got an appointment at 1 o'clock. And I made sure she was going to get taken care of. I made sure she was in contact with the right people. And I went on my way. And I get back in my Jeep. And my shirt's all sweaty and nasty. And I'm thinking, great. This is going to be a fun meeting. So I get there. And when I pull into the, 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 the parking lot, I look down at my clock. And it said 12.58. I don't know how that happened. I just know I made it to my meeting on time. I just know I had to stop. I just know I had to pull over. I don't know what the outcome is going to be that lady. That's the laboring that I'm doing today that I'm praying somebody else receives the harvest on tomorrow. But I had to. And in the midst of the had to, I still got to where I was supposed to on time. I don't know how that happens. I don't know how that occurs. But what I'm telling you is God is a big enough God. And God is more than enough that he can get you to where you're supposed to be. Get you there on time. Will you stop to do the had to's that he has to have you do in the moment? And when you stop to do the have to have to do's in the moment, there's going to be a time when you get to have people ask you a question. She said, so what do you do? Are you a mechanic? (laughs) (laughs) Living in such a way, people ask a question. But the question turned into a conversation that I'm declaring by faith turns into a conversion. But you got to yield to the had-tos. I'm going to ask the worship team to come this morning. And as I close with this verse of Scripture, and the ministers begin to come and begin to pray, as I close with this verse of Scripture, I want to tell you that God is truly big enough God to do all things. And He says this, He works all things together for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purposes. So if you're in the midst of the person who needs the had to, or you're in the person who knows I should have stopped last time and I'm not going to miss my opportunity next time to do the had to, I need you to realize God works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purposes. I don't know how he did what he did, but he did it. I don't know if I left earlier than I thought I left or he supernaturally did something, but I don't, I, I know I had to change a tire. I had to stop. I had to make sure she was okay. I had to make sure she got on her way to her destination. And I had to be at a meeting all at the same time. And all the had to's were taking place. And when it became more than I could do, I just said, God, I'm doing what you've called me to do. This week, I'm asking you, what's your had to? I'm giving you a challenge this week as you go forth. Watch for your had to. Because you're going to wake up one morning and God's going to say, you're going to have a had to today. You're going to have a had to today. And with that had to, he's going to show you that he's God. This woman, I hope I get to see her again. I hope her kids come to know Christ. But even if I don't, in everything that's taken place, there was a had to moment where I got to tell her there's a God that loves her. And I'm grateful that Jesus Christ changed my life. And the reason I had to stop wasn't because she had a flat. The reason I had to stop is because he said, go be Jesus. Go be Jesus.